Welcome to the Bethesda Church Podcast. We're so glad you've joined us today. If you'd like to contribute financially to this ministry, you can do so at BethesdaChurch.tv slash give and simply select the giving option that works best for you. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you enjoy today's message. Thank you so much for your giving. Um, we are kicking off a brand new series today entitled Fortify. And as I said during um, a couple minutes ago, I'm extremely excited to talk about some principles to help us fortify and strengthen our relationship with Christ. How many of you would say today that you want your relationship with Christ to be stronger than it is? Anybody put an amen on that, right? Like we, we want it to be strong. We want it to be fortified, and it's so important in the culture in which we live that our relationship with Christ is fortified because there's a ton of things out there that are competing for your attention. There's a lot of things competing for your affection, for your devotion, a lot of things that are working against us to get us off track, and many of you, let me just say this, many of you over the last few months you have found a new freedom in Christ. And we do celebrate that you have experienced a new freedom in Christ. But listen to me, it's one thing to experience freedom, but how many know it's another to maintain your freedom? Like Jesus came to set the captive free, but we also have principles God has given us so that we don't lose our freedom so that we can maintain the free. And listen to me, without the word of God, without time in the presence of God, without hearing his word, without being in community, even myself, I could lose my freedom as a pastor. Because there, we have to be intentional to fortify our relationship with Christ. And if you're not intentional, how many know the devil is intentional? And, and the Bible says he comes to kill steal, and destroy, and so we're going to kick this series off, and before I dive into scripture, I want to talk to you for just a few minutes to help set this up, but if you were to look up the word fortify, here's the definition that you would find for it. It says to protect or strengthen against attack, to surround or provide with defensive military works, to furnish with a means of resisting force or standing strain or wear to make strong, to impart strength or vigor, to increase the effectiveness of, as by additional ingredients, to strengthen mentally or morally. And so I want you to see that to fortify is proactive, not reactive. It's something that we are doing on the front end. And there's a difference between you and I reacting to life versus being proactive, in other words, we don't wait for storms to come and trouble to come and for life to happen and now all of a sudden we're going to get serious and try to fortify our relationship with Christ. How many know we need to be building on a strong foundation and fortifying our relationship with Christ before trouble ever comes? We need to be prepared. we we, we got to be intentional with that. And a lot of people, because they don't fortify their relationship with Christ, they have to consistently live in a place where they are responding to life, reacting to life, because they did not take the time on the front end to fortify 
that relationship with Christ. Again, for those of you that have recently found freedom, you've got to work to maintain that freedom. So in this series, I'm going to give you some principles that I think will help fortify that relationship with Christ. Next week specifically, we're going to look at the seven rhythms of the New Testament church, the seven things they did consistently to make sure that their relationship with Christ was strong and vibrant. But this week, I want to talk to you about living stones. Living stone. Everybody say living stones. Now, this is going to help, let me just say that it, it's going to help your individual life. I believe the whole series is going to do that. Today is going to help your individual life, but I also believe t- that today is going to help our community, our Bethesda community, that our faith community, what God wants to do in this church. Um, this message started to come alive a couple of weeks ago to me when Pastor Karen was preaching um, a couple of weeks ago, and she was talking about What a wonderful and powerful word that she gave us. Um, But she was talking about in a world that is full of noise, how that sometimes we've got to silence the noise and we got to hear what God is saying. And in that message, she drew a parallel um, that there are people within the church that are new to Christ, who are on fire for God, who... Uh, are bringing the kingdom of heaven into the earth. They're vibrant in worship. They're ready to do everything God has called them to do, and and they're just excited. But at the same time, there are people in the church that um, have some mileage on on their tires. Is that a nice way of saying it? They've been serving God for a long time. They've, they got a lot of life under their belt, and, and if you've served God long enough, you know that, that seasons come and seasons go, and there's ups and there's downs, and there's all, all this stuff that happens, and a lot of times uh, you got the, the ones that are on fire being judgment of, uh, in judgment of the people that have been saved for 20 years, and the people that have been saved for 20 years, they're in judgment of, of those that are excited, and it's like nobody, if we could just stop long enough to celebrate that God God is building a spiritual house made up of all groups of people. We're all in different seasons, but let's encourage one another. The Bible says to encourage one another as you see the day approaching. I don't know about you, but when I look at the world, I see the day, the big day approaching. And we need to be encouraging one another, not criticizing one another. Come on, somebody. If you believe that's true, we need to be encouraging one another. And so that, this message began to, to turn over in my heart, and my goal today is to draw parallels, not in a negative way, but my goal today and in this series is that you would pursue Jesus in a greater measure than you ever have, that you would get your eyes on Jesus, that you would pursue Jesus. Um, I have been in seasons where I've been on fire for God. I have been in seasons where I needed someone who was on fire for God to encourage me. Not criticize me, but encourage me. To encourage means to put courage in. So, so if you see a brother or sister in Christ, listen to me. You see them, you know they're in relationship with Christ, but you see them a little lukewarm. You see them struggling. You see them doubting a little bit. Those of us that are on fire, let's not be critical, but let's put a little courage on the inside of those that are struggling. Let's help them. Let's speak life into them. 
We need one another. Hit your neighbor and say, we need each other. Now, God is building something in the earth. Jesus said he would build his church and the gates of hell would not prevail. So God is building something. All throughout Scripture, we see God building. He's building a person. How many of God's building you? He, God, God's building a family. God's building a community. God's building a nation. God, God is always building something that on the earth that looks and reflects him. It's going to be eye-opening when we see today how God and, and, and what God is using to build what what is to reflect him, I think you're going to be, it's going to open your eyes um, spiritually and scripturally today. And I want to go to 1 Peter chapter number 2, verse number 4 and 5. It says, as you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him. Okay, that's about Jesus. Now here's where it, it's about you and I. You also, like living stones, everybody say living stones. You also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. And I want you to take notice of those two words, living stones. They are side by side, but they are two contradicting terms that Peter uses to describe the spiritual house that God is building in the earth, living stones. Now, this is interesting to me because when you think about stones, you don't think about life. When you think about stones, you, you, you don't think about life, you think about something that is solid. You think about something that is strong. You think of a stone uh, as something that you would build with, but you don't think of a stone as something that would have life. And likewise, you don't think of anything that is alive having the character of a stone. Are you following? You, you put those two terms side by side, you got living stones. They are contradicting terms. In fact, if you're going to build something, uh, the first thing you got to do is you got to take the life out of one thing in order to build with it. If the tree is alive, how many know you got to kill the tree? You got to chop it down if you're going to build with it. If you're going to have leather or a leather sofa at your house, how many of the cows going to have to die? before you can build with it, before you can make something out of it. And so Peter is saying uh, that, that we are living stones. They contradict each other. So how is God going to use this? Everyone say it again, say living stones. Now, here's, here's what I love. Before there were personality surveys and profiles that we take, you know, the DISC test, the Myers-Briggs um, all the different tests that people take to discover their personality. Before all of that, scripturally and prophetically, we see God describing two different types of people that would be at the center of what he was doing in the earth. They are living stones. I'm gonna, I'm gonna break this down for you in just a minute. Hit somebody and tell them this is good news. This is good news. 
I want to show you two different types of people from two different prophets of the Old Testament. The first one I want to show you is Joel. Everybody say Joel. All right, Joel 2.28. We're going to look at Joel and Isaiah, one verse each. Here's what Joel said in Joel 2.28. It says, and afterward, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. All right? That's, that's Joe. This is a lively group. When you see sons and daughters prophesying, old men dreaming dreams, young men seeing visions, this is a passionate group. They are on fire. These are your worshipers. These are the people that don't mind to take a lap around the room. Come on, somebody. These, these are the Joel people. They're excited for the presence of God. But, and God, listen to me, God is using this group. Can I get an amen on that? He's using this group. Now, Isaiah chapter 2, verse 2, we looked at Joel, let's look at Isaiah. In Isaiah 2, verse 2, it says, In the last days, the mountain of the Lord's temple will be established as the highest of the mountains. It will be exalted above the hills, and all nations will stream to it. Now, when Isaiah is prophesying about the mountain of the Lord, he is referring to the church, that God is building a church. It is the mountain of the Lord. And if you continue reading in Isaiah chapter 2, you will discover that this place, this mountain of the Lord, this church, would be the place where people would go to learn God's ways, to settle disputes, and watch this, to take ground or to make progress. Okay, so you got the lively group, they're passionate, they got zeal, and then you got the, the, the structured group that is, we're, we're settling disputes, we're taking ground, we're, we're methodical in our approach. So we have two different legitimate voices, Isaiah and Joel, speaking prophetically about the church that would become a combination of two people brought together, and here's the part I want you to see, brought together by the plan and the purpose of God. This is, this is key. This is key, and we're going to walk this out. God is bringing them together. Now, I got a little help for today's message, so I'm going to ask Troy Stutler if you would come help me, and Dr. Kirk, if you would come help me. Can we give it up for Troy and Doc as they come? Now, you guys just have a seat. I know everybody I've asked to help me at 9 and 11, they scared. As you come up here, you're at the, I'm holding the microphone. Like, it, it's, a, it's a scary place. But I appreciate you guys being willing uh, to illustrate this message for me for just a few minutes. Um, and so we got Joel and we got Isaiah. And, and listen, as I do this, I'm not calling them Joel or them Isaiah. I'm not saying that's who they are. But for the, the purpose, it's my sermon. I can do what I want. All right. That's, that's, it, Troy, you, you're no longer Troy. You're going to be Joel. Everybody say hi, Joel. All right. This is Joel. This is the lively group. This is the passionate group. This is the, you know, uh, when it's time to worship, it's, you know, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. It's, he's going to represent all of those folks, all right? So everybody say hi, Joel. All right. Over here we got Isaiah. Everybody say, hi, Isaiah. 
Now, 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 so we got, we got the lively, and then we got the solid as a rock, okay? Now, 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 as we walk this out, we got, we got a lively group, and we got a solid as a rock group, and God says, God says, I am using both to build what I want in the earth, now, now here, here's the crazy thing, and we're going to walk this out. A lot of times the Joel people are really critical of the Isaiah people. All right? We're, we're going to walk down. And sometimes the Isaiah people are extremely critical of the Joel people. There's, there's this tension that takes place um, with, with these two groups of people. And the Joel people, here, let's talk about Joel first. All right, let's talk about Joel first. How, how Joel people, those that would identify more with Joel, how they feel is uh, how they interpret something. It's, it's, in other words, I, I need to feel this. And what I'm feeling is, is very, very important. How they feel determines how they interpret something. And, and, and the deal with, with Joel people are is that they're not real interested in graphs and research. Um, they're, they're not interested in an Excel sheet. They don't care about all the numbers and the measurables. They're, they're not interested in that. Um, but, but the thing you got to understand about Joel people, if I said, let's just have a time of prayer, they're the ones that's going to show up for prayer. If I say it's time to worship, they're going to lift their hands and worship. They have no problem entering into worship. When Joel people have conversations, they, they speak from experience. They're good storytellers. They, they talk about how God has changed them. They feel, you, you know what I'm talking about, people that, that are Joel, that identify with Joel, they feel what they're talking about. They can tell you God healed me, and they can, they can say it in a beautiful way. There's passion. There's experience. They, they can talk to you about what they're going through. And a lot of Joel people, they, they, they can talk about their feelings. Feelings, they will listen, listen to your feelings. They're, they're, they're just very passionate and, and really based on experience. Now, the Isaiah people, solid as a rock, they are more objective than subjective. They measure progress not in the way the room feels. They measure progress in literal ways. They make great pastors, and I don't say that as a judgment against Joel people, but listen, I, I grew up in a Joel church, and if all you do is speak in tongues all day long and you don't have goals or a vision or a plan or a structure, listen, you're going to have the presence of God, but you're not going to make a lot of progress. Somebody go ahead and just clap right there. I, I need you to grab that. I need you to grab that. Now watch this. They, they, are, they are great. Isaiah's are great pastors. They're going to know how many people attended the service. They're, they're going to know, you know, how many people we're discipling. They're, they're going to know a lot of the measurables. They're going to know what people are going through. They're going to know how to move the vision forward. They understand vision, and they know how to connect vision to structure and to systems that, that produce the vision that God has. They don't get bogged down in, in what they feel. A lot of times, Isaiah people, they ignore their own feelings at, in, in order to, to accomplish more. They, they, they just put all that to the side so that they can keep taking progress. A, a theme scripture for a Joel person would probably be, it's not by might, it's not by power, but 
but it's by my spirit, says the Lord. You know, that would be a theme scripture. A theme scripture for Isaiah would be, I'm building my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. It's two totally different mindsets, but God says, I'm bringing two groups of people together because I'm building something in the earth and I need my Joel people to hook up with my Isaiah people so that I can do what I want to do in the earth. What we see God doing is he's bringing the lively, the Joel, and he's connecting them with the stone, the solid as a rock people that are just solid. It's lively stones. Um, And I I want you all to say it one more time. Say lively stones. Say lively stones. All my stone people need to help right here. The only people participating right now are the Joel people. The Joel people are loud. The Isaiah people just sit there. I'm I'm not saying that out loud. Come on, everybody say lively stones. All right? God is building a church, and it's made up of lively stone. This is what Peter is talking about. God is building a spiritual house. And the challenge, the challenge of this is that the differences between whether you identify more with Joel or you identify more with Isaiah, the, the, diff- the differences create tension. All right? Joel people can see Isaiah people as lacking life. Joel people can, can look over at the Isaiah people and say they quench the spirit. Come on, y'all, help me out. That it, it, Joel is wide open. You know, he's, he's exuberant in worship, and Isaiah is just sitting there during worship, taking it in. Now watch this. The Joel people, a lot of times, will hear something in prayer and, and because they hear something in prayer, Joel people think that the church should change the entire structure because they heard one word from God on Monday morning. And the problem with that is that Joel people hear something new about every day. And if you were to change your structure and your vision based on Joel people, all you would have is a bunch of chaos. You need some Isaiah people say, I'm glad you heard from the Lord, but we got a plan. We... Come on, y'all, you, you, got, you got to have both. It doesn't mean that we can't ebb and flow as we hear from God, but there's got to be somebody solid. There's got to be somebody that says, bless God, this is the way it's going to go. Because if not, your Joel people are going to have a new prophecy every single day. And we're going to have to change directions every couple of hours. Isaiah people, they look, they look at Joel people oftentimes as unharnessed goofy, flaky. There's there's criticism a lot of times that flows both ways. And as I'm preaching this, some of you, you identify with Joel. Like you you just want to experience and feel and it's great. And some of you are more Isaiah. I'm going to take notes and then we're going to lunch. Right? It's two different groups of people. But God says, I'm building a spiritual house it's lively stones. And, and listen, there is necessity in the house for both groups. For a, listen to me. Let, me. let me say it like that. For a worship service, give me the Joel group. If we're just going to have a worship service, give me the Joel people. 
Um, but if we're going to have a business meeting or cast some vision and, and talk about the plan for the year, I don't need the Joel people. I need some Isaiah people in the room that have a plan. And, and, and listen, I'm not saying, I'm speaking in broad terms. I know that we have ebbs and flows, but y'all get the gist of what I'm talking about. We have ebbs and flows, but you get, you get the, the gist of this. Um, and I want us to learn how to be encouraging to both groups. I want us to learn how to do that. And, and, and the way I would, here's a great way of looking at it. Uh, when we're looking at the Joel and Isaiah people, do you like to sleep or do you like to eat? Hopefully both, right? Do, do you like to shower or brush your teeth? Right? That, that's, that's the point I'm making. That, that's how uh, essential both groups are. And some of you, you grew up in a Joel house. Some of you, you grew up in an Isaiah house. And, and by calling and nature of my gifting and anointing, I, I'm probably more of an Isaiah. Um, but I grew up in a Joel church. I grew up, man, we had the Holy Ghost. Like we cast the devils out. People got filled with the Holy Spirit. People got healed. But you know what? We never got more than about 50 people. You know why? We didn't have enough Isaiah saying, here's how we're going to take ground. Here's how we're going to take what we've been getting in the service, and we're going to start taking it down the field. And, and so what, what, whichever way you lean, there needs to be a deep appreciation for Isaiah and Joel. I, Isaiah people are methodical. They love scripture. Um, they like taking notes. Some of you, when I begin speaking, you're, you're like, you, you got the notepad and you're just writing away. And, and, and you know, that's an Isaiah quality. Uh, the Joel people will be like, I, I, you know, just kind of feeling it out. That, that, that sermon was great, Pastor. And you could ask him, what he preached? I don't know, but it felt good. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Totally different. And, and so there's a tendency, and what I noticed early on as a pastor is there is a tendency for a church to become, watch this, either all Isaiah, where it's structure and no life, or it's all Joel, where they got life, but they ain't got a bit of structure. And God says, I'm building a spiritual house, it's lively stones. I'm bringing the two groups together. And I think you can see it even when Jesus was speaking to the woman at the well in John 4. He said, yet a time is coming and now has come when the true worshipers will worship the Father, watch this, in spirit and in truth. In spirit and in structure. Come on, in, in spirit and in truth. That it, it, it's not just we all Holy Ghost and all we're going to do is pray in tongues 24-7, but we need a little truth. We need some principles. We need to learn sometimes as Joel people to open up a notebook and write down a few things. And as Isaiah people, we need, we need to look at the Joel people and say, you know what, I need to take my worship to the next level. I, I ought to be able to open up my mouth. Come on, somebody. I, I ought to be able to worship God in, in a greater measure. I heard this story about a lady who was a part of a church, and she, um, <laughs> she, she was a part of this church, and she went outside in, in her bathrobe. Her hair was messed up, and she had slippers on, and she climbed to the top of a tree, um, and she got stuck. She, didn't, she could not get down. 
from the tree. And so the fire department, everybody had to come, and obviously they helped her get out of the tree, and they said, ma'am, what? Your hair's not done, the bathrobe, slippers, like why are you in the top of a tree? And she said, well, the Holy Spirit told me to get to the top of this tree and pray for the city today. Now, how many know that's a Joel person right there? That's a Joel person. Like, come on, listen, listen, I don't care if you're a Joel person, but please don't climb the top of a tree today and get stuck and call us to come get you down. All right? We need spirit and we need structure. We need some Joel people, just don't climb the trees. Joel people, listen, I'm going to go a little bit further. I'm only driving home one point today. Have you all figured that out? One point. Joel people think every dream has meaning. But sometimes dreams don't have a meaning. You had way too much Taco Bell and hot sauce. So not every dream is like, some people it's like every morning, do you know what this means? It means you ate way too late. You'll be all right, it'll pass. Come on, y'all. It'll pass. Um, To the Joel person, um, Joel people have to, Work hard and be intentional at not just speaking Christianese all the time. You know, I'm blessed God and I'm I'm highly favored, and they speak and and you're talking to someone that doesn't know Jesus. Like dial it back a little bit. If if we're talking to to brothers and sisters in Christ, go for it. Blessed, highly favored, anointed, the head, not the tail. You can speak like that. But the average person at Starbucks who doesn't know Jesus at all, you start talking that, they're going to be like, I don't even know what you're saying. You're going to have to dial it back so that you can connect with them. they got to work hard to do that. And listen, the Joel people don't leverage God told me. Joel people are notorious for saying God told me. You know, everything's God told me. And there's a lot of, lot of, with Joel people, there's a lot of God told me that has gone wrong. You know, they, they come, you're single, and they say, God told me you're my wife. If you're single and somebody shows up and says, God told me you're my wife or you're my husband, run. That's, come on, that's crazy. Even if God told you, on the first day you say in that mess? And it, come on, y'all, don't make me preach this. See, they, 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 Joel's, though, they can help the Isaiahs. They can help them because they tell good stories. And Isaiahs, we could, be a, we could do a better job at telling stories. You know, sometimes I'm so systematic, I'm a bad storyteller. And it's crazy because I'm a pastor who holds a microphone. I have to work to tell a story. That's hard for me. Karen, on the other hand, she can tell stories. I got friends that, man, I hear them print, and I'm like, they are storytellers. But how many know we need to work better to tell our story to people? And when I say your story, watch this, how God has met you, how God has saved you, how God has delivered you, how God has set you free, how God put the marriage back together. We need to do a better job of telling our story, of sharing our testimony. Um, Isaiah people um, can't, could become better storytellers. Um, and a couple of things that I, I'm going to give you before I wind this thing down is that there's a story in the Old Testament. Y'all remember this story. It's of um, when the donkey spoke. Y'all remember that story? This is the, sport, the story of Balaam. And 
uh, and, and I'm talking to the Isaiah people because sometimes Isaiah people are not spiritually sensitive. But in that story, the angel is in the middle of the road and, and God doesn't want Balaam to go in that direction. And the donkey just stops. And he's mad, you know, God, he's mad at the donkey, and the donkey's speaking back. It's crazy. Like, why are you beating me? Like, I see something in the road we're not supposed to go. And the point I'm making is the donkey was more spiritually sensitive than Balaam. Joel, let's give a couple more things. Joel people expect way too much out of a church service. And I know some of you are thinking, how can you expect him? And what I mean by that, Joel people think when we come to church, everybody gets saved, every demon gets cast out, every sick body's healed, everybody falls in the floor at least once. We're all going to cry. We're all going to laugh. We're all going to experience breakthrough. And they want it all in 90 minutes. They want everything God has for every, like we experience every emotion in one service. So they can expect way too much out of a church service. On the other hand, Isaiah, they can expect way too little out of a church service. Like they're like, we had a couple songs. PC gave me the thought for the day. Let's go eat. And... (laughs) So you got, you got one group that, that's not expecting a whole lot, and you got one group that if we all didn't roll three times, and the Lord wasn't there. We only had nine people saved today. Y'all know I'm telling the truth right now. There is high, <laughs> there is high expectation from Joel people and low expectation. And, and the Isaiah people sometimes... Because their expectations are low, they, they would call what I'm doing right now, they would call it a sermon instead of, this is God prompting me, this is God speaking to me, this is God telling me something that's going to change my life. And, and so we come to it with all these preconceived notions sometimes of what we need out of a church service. And, and here's the thing, I'm going to say this about Joel people. And don't look at any Joel people right now. But Joel people, sometimes I have found it in my experience, is that during the worship, they are, I mean, exuberant. They are praising. They, they rock a little bit. And, man, they, they clapping. And then you get 10 minutes into the sermon and you see them going. It's like, hey. Just because the clapping and the lights and the sound in, they, we still got some stuff going on, right? Come on, y'all, help me out right there. We still got some stuff going on. So Joel people can have life with no substance. Um, let me say this. Sometimes Joel people can lay hands on the sick, see them recover. They can cast out devils, but they can't make their bed or clean their house. Sometimes they, they operate in great anointing and see, like, miracles, but their house is out of order, their relationships are messed up, where Isaiah's are more methodical, and maybe they got the relationship stuff's good, their house is in order, maybe they're not really casting out devils or laying hands on the sick yet. How many know we can both get better? That's what I'm trying to, I know it's a long way of, of, of getting there, but we, we can all 
get a little bit better. And as the worship team comes, as the worship team comes, you say, why did you preach this message today? Because we're going to take a lot of time in this series to help you fortify your personal walk with Jesus. But here's what I also believe God is doing in this season. He is fortifying this community. And we need to be able to celebrate one another. Can you give it up for for Troy and for Dr. Kirk? Thank you, guys. Thank you, guys. Give it up for Joe and Isaiah. Come on. Joe and Isaiah. As the worship team gets ready to come, a couple of things I'm going to give you in closing. Um, Here's another little point. I'm going to give you this. In, in marriage, a lot of times, what you have is a Joel and Isaiah, and I don't mean two men. Come on, don't, don't, you know what I mean. Marriage is between male and female. I'm going to make that real clear. Um, but you know what I mean. You got Joel tendencies <laughs> and Isaiah tendencies, and they, they get married. And, and listen, that's a beautiful thing because you balance one another out. And you learn in marriage how to celebrate that in each other. We got to do a better job of learning how to celebrate that. What would God do if all the Isaiahs appreciated the wild, unharnessed Joel people and, and all the Joel people who are un- unharnessed and wild for Jesus didn't look at Isaiah people like they quench in the spirit, but we thank God you got a business mind. You can write down four steps that would help us take this to the next level. There needs to be an appreciation and a celebration of both groups. And I said all of that to say this, it's not accidental that you have Joel's and Isaiah's. It's providential. God is building something that reflects him. And as challenging as it might be, those of you that are, that are more of a solid of a rock to, to value those that have life and those of you that, that have life to value those that are solid as a rock. Understand, it's not an accident. This is the kind of house God is building. This is the plan of God. We are living stones. We are both spirit and structure. God is building something that is full of both grace and truth. It's his plan. We celebrate the Holy Spirit moving and lives being changed, but we also celebrate a plan to take ground, to make progress, to have a vision to go forward. We celebrate both groups. We need the Joels and we need the Isaiahs. As you stand to your feet, if you believe that, can you give God one more big praise? As you stand to your feet, come on. Come on, did you get something out of the word today? I was thinking, I had a little bit of a drive this morning and got here right at church time, but in the drive I was thinking about Ezekiel chapter 37. And in Ezekiel chapter 37, it's the famous passage where God asked the prophet, can these bones live again? And the prophet, in a moment of vulnerability and honesty, he's like, Lord, only you know. And God said, I want you to prophesy to the bones, but I also want you to prophesy to the spirit. I want you to prophesy to the structure, and I want you to prophesy to the spirit. You can see the two, the two um, different groups coming together, even in the miracle in the valley of dry bones. You got to have the structure and the spirit. 
you, you gotta have grace and truth. They're both vitally important. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. No one looking around for the next couple of moments. Watch the compass coordinators, if you wanna get in place, prayer people, you can get in place. Just wanna make sure we're, we're prepared to minister to people today. But I wanna speak to those that are in this place that maybe you're not in relationship with Jesus right now. You're, you're, you're not right with God. You know that you need to repent of some sins. And listen, I, I'm not saying this to scare anyone, but you need to know life is like a vapor. It's here for a little while and then it's gone. And no man is promised tomorrow. That's what the scripture says. And so I, I, I wanna speak to, to anyone in this room that would say, Pastor, I'm not right with God and I know I'm not, but I want to make it right. I wanna repent. I wanna, I wanna get my life fortified. I wanna get my life in a good place with Christ. I want to know him. I want to surrender to his lordship. If that's you, would you just throw your hand up right there where you are and say, Pastor, you're talking to me. I want to make this relationship right. It's not right right now, but I want to make it right. Anyone at all that would say that's me. One over here. God bless you. God bless you. Anyone else? Anyone else? for the one. I love what the scripture says that Jesus would leave the 99 to go after the one. Praise God for it. I want us to pray out loud together. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. I'm a sinner. I've committed sins. I need a Savior. I can't save myself. So I ask you, Jesus, to save me. I repent for all my sins and I choose to follow you. Thank you for saving me, changing me. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, let's celebrate that one. Come on, celebrate that one. Now listen, listen, listen. We're gonna open up this altar. They're gonna lead us in a song and listen, this is a time where we need to be, when I'm preaching and speaking, yeah, we can be Joel kind of people and scream amen and shout and clap and run. We can do all that, uh, but we can also take notes. How many know that's important? That's more Isaiah. But this is a Joel kind of moment right here. This is a Joel kind of moment. Maybe you're, you're more of an Isaiah, more systematic. Maybe you need to get out of your comfort zone and say, hey, I'm gonna spend some time. Maybe you don't need somebody to lay hands on you. Maybe you just want to take a step and say, God, I wanna grow. I wanna fortify my relationship. I don't wanna be so methodical that I can't experience the life of your spirit. That I, like, Maybe if you're an Isaiah person, you've never experienced the baptism in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. Listen, it is a gift that God has for you. And even though you may be systematic and methodical, listen, God wants to do something that will bypass your mind and ignite your spirit and, and do something in your life that you may not even be able to articulate with words. And the Joel people, listen, this is a moment to lean in because God may be trying to give you a strategy or a system to take your life to the next level. This altar is wide open if you need prayer, if you need healing, if you just want to come and kneel or sing in God's presence, this altar is open. I'm going to leave at this point. I feel like I've been rambling at this point. But can we give Jesus one more praise this morning? One more praise. 
Thanks for listening to this week's message from Bethesda Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and our website, BethesdaChurch.tv. Thank you for joining us and have a great day.